Today on the news and why it matters, uh, the DOJ releases a report concluding James Comey violated FBI policy. And of course, James Comey now wants an apology. Uh, we'll get into that. Also, Lawrence O'Donnell issues a retraction, but a lot to get into. And it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, today joined once again by Mr. Stu Bergier of the Glenn Beck Radio Program. Thanks for being with us, Stu. Thank you for having me. Do, or is this the thing we're going to do every day? No, I was just going to be silent, but you kept prodding me for an answer, so thank, I, I kept thank, going. Thank you for being here, Stu Bergier. I appreciate your thank you. <laughs> uh, we've got a Maiden Voyage, your Maiden Voyage on the show, Mr. Indeed. Will Riccadella, social media director and reporter for The Washington Examiner. Thanks mm -hmm. for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sorry that you have to, uh, I assume you live in D.C.? I live in D.C., unfortunately. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. pretty terrible. <laughs> you have no idea. Welcome here. <laughs> Welcome here. <laughs> and once again, returning, Jeremy Dice from uh, First Liberty. Thanks for being here. Always good to be with you. Uh, so first up. Uh, the DOJ has, of course, released the report about James Comey. Um, and, Will, I know you've been really paying attention to this story. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to do a better job than I am of kind of explaining what the report summarized. Well, the report was a, a, it was a scathing report. You know what I mean? Comey comes out, you know, this book of higher loyalty. He plays himself up as this guy who's above it all, right? I mean, the report really tears him down. It says he, he, he violated these internal policies. These policies were created just so something like this wouldn't happen, that he wouldn't, you know, le like leak this information to his buddy at Columbia University. You know, here's this synthesis between government and academia. Um, you know, and then that's really what started. This was the whole genesis of the criminal investigation. Before, prior, it was Crossfire Hurricane. This started the criminal investigation, so now you have the Mueller investigation at the behest of Comey and his actions violating these policies. Um, so we may not have even had the Mueller investigation had this not happened. Um, and I mean, this is really, you know, Comey, uh, you know, in Horowitz finding that, you know, Comey saying, I don't trust the attorney general. I don't trust the deputy attorney general. I know more. I, I'm more virtuous. He really sees himself as the most virtuous person in government. Uh, he did the same thing with Loretta Lynch, even in the, it's a bipartisan thing to him. He, he thinks he's above everybody. And, and I think this, he thought that, you know, his legacy would be, here I, here I went after Donald Trump. I'm the guy who, who, who raised these red flags. I mean, I, he's been in government a long time. He was a deputy attorney general. He knows the system. Mm -hmm. He was the FBI director. He knows exactly what he was doing here. Um, and he tries to play it off as if he's he's some a man of higher character, higher virtue. Yeah. Uh, so the report said, of course, that he he violated all of these policies and he leaked sensitive information. But I think his distinction that he wants to make sure everyone knows he's vindicated on is that it wasn't classified. So that makes it OK, I guess, even though he still violated the policies and it was still sensitive right. information. Well, it wasn't classified. Right. And so he had totally leaks fine. all over. Look, this FBI constantly leaked. Um, you know, he had a briefing in, 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 I believe it was January of 2017, prior to Trump taking office, uh, you know, on the Russian dossier. You know, Byron York just reported that, you know, there was this, you know, masterminds that got, you know, Brennan, Comey, they had decided to brief uh, uh, Trump. And part of it was there was an addendum attached to that, which was the dossier. And it was the, the salacious, you know, P tape. And what they had this plan to go in there and, you know, walk up to Trump when, when, he's, when, when Comey's alone with Trump and say, hey, I found this P-tape to get his reaction, to capture his reaction, to see if he would incriminate himself and so on. It wasn't until after that briefing. This was very top secret. There was, it was unverified at the time. Only about eight people, I think, in the Senate knew about it. 
Barack Obama knew about it also. But after that, that leaked to CNN. That's when Jake Tapper broke the story about the Russian dossier. That's when BuzzFeed then after that broke the story about it. It seems, and I wrote about it at the time, it seems like there was some coordinated effort to, to get this information out there, to go after President Trump. And it seems like the more things come out, the more it seems orchestrated. Mm-hmm. You know, this is crazy. I mean, we spent, what, 25, 35 million on this investigation into nothing, based on nothing. What was the crime they investigated? Yeah. It's crazy. Stu, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's interesting because they basically said he did something really, really, really wrong, but we're not going to prosecute you, which is essentially what he got in trouble for, right? I mean, he, he coming out and saying that about Clinton, right? You come out and you say, oh, well, Hillary did something really, really, yeah. really wrong. I think gross negligence is, a, <laughs> is a, maybe a way you might characterize it, uh, but no prosecution. And That's then, the standard for prosecution. Right. right. <laughs> Normally, um, but yeah. not in that case. And then this. On, on the espionage yeah, act, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what's fascinating about Comey in particular is that, like, we really do live in, like, this very partisan time where both sides really hate each other, but they always unite in disliking James Comey. Like, Republicans and Democrats <laughs> come together in this, like, glorious piece of bipartisanship to hate James Comey. There's really no one on James Comey's side other than James Comey at this point. <laughs> It really is fascinating. I mean, like, there's very few characters in this position, right? Like Jeffrey Epstein, both sides hate him. There's a few, but, like, really, there's nobody who seems to come to this guy's defense. And it doesn't seem like he deserves it. Uh, You know, over and over again, he's shown to be on the wrong side of these things. He didn't handle it. I mean, if you think about his official reason for getting fired in the first place by the Trump administration was that he was essentially too mean to Hillary Clinton. Like, this mm-hmm. guy can't do anything right, at least, at <laughs> least though it's a piece of entertainment. But we're so used to having, like, left guy says this about the right guy, and the right guy says this about the left guy. All guys say this about James Comey. <laughs> Everyone seems to agree. Now, but it's that, taken a while to get to that evolution. Yes, yes. There's really only two things left to be said. Number one, apparently the higher calling, the higher authority was himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> usually is. Absolutely. Yeah. And the yep. only other thing remaining now is, where is he going to be pictured next, taking that pensive look into the middle distance? Yeah. How weird was that? When, did you see that How weird picture when he was in the Which middle of the street? I mean, there were multiple of them, right? Bizarre. The desert and the street and the woods are not looking into the ocean. <laughs> me? Where's this next one oh. going to be? It's, I it's cringed crazy. when I saw that a little bit. That was a, that was a cringe moment. It, w- it was unique, right? I mean, he's now <laughs> become the king of Instagram. Who would have thought that James Comey, Horrible. the FBI guy, would actually be reigning Instagram and Twitter based upon looking... Pensively into the it fits our society, though, because I, I would say if you're looking at the hierarchy of things, like government service, honorable government service in the FBI is below Instagram star. <laughs> yeah, yeah so like no, Instagram you're right. star is definitely, the, is definitely the pinnacle of our yeah. society at this point, so why not go for it? What will he be known more for? The fact that he passed on prosecution of something that seemed to be prosecutable, that he leaked documents all over the world, it seems like, or looking pensively into the middle distance. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, about that, he passed in the prosecution. He's not even the prosecutor. He was the investigator. Yeah, right. He came out, elucidated the law, You know, said this is what she did, which was gross negligence, and then said, uh, I don't recommend charges. But you're not a prosecutor. You don't right. do that. Yeah. You do the investigating. Job. Some Loretta Lynch is the one that makes it to call, or Barack Obama makes that call. And as I said before, we went on air. I don't know where that came from for him to come out, but it gave them a lot of cover mm-hmm. for him to say, don't recommend charges. I mean, the American people kind of accepted that after that. Yeah. Um, Stu, you did uh, just mention that James Comey uh, brings us all together in our dislike <laughs> of him. I also think, though, I think the American people are just so frustrated at the fact that, you know, you've got Hillary Clinton, as you touched on, Will, that does all of these things, you know, uh, where are the 33,000 emails, Uh, doesn't get in trouble for it at the end of the day, has no consequences for it. Now you've got James Comey, who it's like, why do these policies exist if these 
people in Washington are not going to ever have consequences or have to take responsibility when they violate them. Yeah, we do have a, a, a decent amount of laws that we don't seem to apply. I mean, when there's amendments, there's entire amendments we don't seem to care about anymore. The fourth, like, I don't do we even, does that even count anymore as one, or have we overturned that? Um, it's, it's one of those things where I think... Um, the, the standards don't apply, and that's what frustrates so many uh, people when it comes to politics. They just there's not a sense that the, the that people in these positions are held accountable the way the the others are. Luckily, we have uh, a system that was able to dole out some punishment to Hillary Clinton, which is why she's sitting at home nasty tweeting Donald Trump every day instead of leading <laughs> yeah. our country. So there are some consequences. I think Comey's Comey's felt some of that, right? I mean, like he he Indirect, his, his his reputation is essentially toast. Um, and Which probably I, matters more to him. For him, I mean, it seems like the most important thing to him. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you're right, though. It, these rules are set up and and not even, there's not even an acknowledgement as to why they're not applied to these I, people. I disagree that his reputation's toast. I think among yeah. the left, uh, he has a great reputation. I mean, again, like I said earlier, the Mueller report wouldn't have happened probably. We wouldn't have Mueller without Comey. I think, you know, look, they were mad at him in October of 2016 when he came out and said, I found more emails, right, because it hurt Hillary. But they loved him again when he hopped on well, Russia. Let's not, oh, let's not just brush by that, you know, though. Ten days before yeah. the election, he announced an investigation by the FBI against one of the two presidential yeah. candidates. The left did not like that. I mean, mm-hmm. when he when, when that was going on, Trump was on, on stage saying, James Comey's my man. Yeah. I mean, this is the greatest guy <laughs> in the universe back then. And then, of course, you're right. Yeah. This all leads to the Mueller, and now the, the right doesn't like him either. Mm-hmm. I mean... I think you're you're right. There are certainly yeah. some people who respect him, but I think as a whole, it's like he's not made friends on either side. Mm. And part of that is is I think his opinion of himself. Like he thinks he's above all of this. He thinks he's the guy that can finally bring back some, um, you know, uh, some uh, principled thinking to this world. And, and how is that different than a lot of media pundits like Lawrence O'Donnell, who comes yeah. out with a fake story about Trump, you know, <laughs> getting underwritten by Russian oligarchs and so mm-hmm. on, these people just making things up out of thin air. Rachel Maddow's show was predicated on Russia and talking mm-hmm. about oh. it and conspiracies. When this Mueller report came out and there was nothing in it, her ratings tanked. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of people kind of hopping on this train, you know, and they think they were, they're so above everything. Meanwhile, they're peddling like conspiracy theories, yeah. and no one's calling them on it. We, I, we still there was a uh, Don Lemon's on TV yesterday talking again about Russia, and it's like you're still talking it's about how, it. how are they still talking about it? Mueller's kind of in the same category though. It's like another guy who is very well respected at one point by both sides. Obviously, then the investigation starts, and the right is pissed off about this investigation. Mm-hmm. But then it's a letdown to the left, so now they're pissed at him too. It's like I, there is no there's there's a few characters that can pull this off in our society. It's difficult. Yeah. Everybody takes sides. They're just like they're like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Like everyone else, everyone's got a team, but no one has the Jacksonville Jaguars. And these guys kind of just like hang around there. It's a bizarre it's a bizarre function of our society. Jeremy, right last word. Well, I think it's just one more indication. All of this is an indication again of not only our narcissistic society, and that gets to the picture of the middle distance thing. But also the fact that we just have a lack of principled individuals that are occupying office, either in appointed offices or career offices or po- political offices right now. And we are suffering for, suffering in this country because we have people that are more interested in on how many Instagram followers and Twitter followers that you have or, you know, seeing what they can actually get away with and saying, this is what the Constitution stands for. This is what our country is founded upon. And this is where we're going to lead in that direction. That is just a secondary, maybe a tertiary discussion way down the line. Definitely tertiary. That is, at, well, least. It, it, at best, it's packaging <laughs> a way to say, hey, vote for me again. Yeah. Right? But right now, we're kind of throwing all that away to the point where we're getting to the kind of the oligarchical thinking that you're talking about of saying we're rich by the rulers or, or ruled by the rich, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 
right. powerful and all that. We need more principled individuals to be able to take up that mantle again. All right, more to come. Stay tuned. James Comey just heard you say, we need more James Comey's. <laughs> yeah, that's what we heard from that. He did. he did. That's exactly what he heard. As you guys know, we have been following the Lawrence O'Donnell saga. <laughs> um, Lawrence O'Donnell, who went on national television and told everyone that a source had told him that Donald Trump had a loan co-signed by Russian oligarchs. And it was a very explosive story, uh, you know, if true. But minor details. Of course, MSNBC later came out and said, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank cannot con confirm this. Oh, also, the source has never actually seen what he's talking about. And by the way, neither have we. And that happened within the show, yes. right? Like, that happened within the hour-long show he had yesterday. Like, the reversal from, like, this is really solid to, uh, well, the source, I didn't see it, and the source didn't even see it. Yeah. That happened just before he even went off the air. Well, Ra uh, Rachel Maddow's um, reaction was the best to me when he's telling her, and she's like, Huh. huh. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to sign on to this yeah, one. Yeah. Even she wouldn't do it. When, Rachel, when big, you lose Rachel deal. Maddow. Yeah. That's yes. a magic it's trick. a huge right deal. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into Lawrence O'Donnell's official retraction, I just, just for clarification, I would like to remind you guys who this guy is. Uh, watch. James Fellows and Josh Ernest, thank you both for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? Where's the hammer? Is it on the, uh, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering. Call Phil Griffin. I don't care who the you call. Stop the hammering. Empty out the control room and find out where this is going on. It's either there or there or out there somewhere. Or anywhere. I love this video. Jesus Christ, <laughs> crazy sound coming in my ear, this stupid hammering. I told you why I wanted those words cut. It just sucks. It <laughs> sucks to be out here with this out of control. <laughs> Anything can come into my ear at any moment. <laughs> things. How do you say this guy's last name? part is when he's like it could be coming from over there or maybe over there or it could be from literally any other place right. that i'm gonna point <laughs> that is like legitimately the, my favorite lawrence o'donnell moment of all time it is. i actually like him most in this moment than any <laughs> other time I'm not he's clear. was he talking about our friend josh hammer at no, the time, <laughs> so. was this an actual hammer if so he really does not like josh hammer <laughs> and let's be clear by the way they they redid the entire roof while we were on the air doing radio every day <laughs> freaking day like they were like tearing the roof down in the middle of the show we're like what do we uh, and we it's never true. we didn't swear at least that much well no good. one caught it on tape anyway yeah, that's true we'll just say we probably did it will be released later <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Lawrence O'Donnell last night because he was pressured by the White House let's be real I doubt that this retraction would have come had he not had Trump's legal team sending letters to NBC News saying mm -hmm. hey guess what you're you know engaging in uh, defamatory statements and we demand that you immediately retract this uh, so here is what he had to say last night last night on this show I discussed information that wasn't ready for reporting I repeated statements a single source told me about the president's finances and loan documents with Deutsche Bank saying 
if true, as I discussed the information, was simply not good enough. I did not go through the rigorous verification and standards mm, process yeah. here at MSNBC before repeating what I heard from my source. Had it gone through that process, I would not have been permitted to report it. I should not have said it on air or posted it on Twitter. I was wrong to do so. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate, oh, but the fact is we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast. And for that, I apologize. I mean, we don't know. In fairness, there was a lot of hammering going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, it could it could be accurate. Like, it could be inaccurate. Who, who are we to say? We don't know. I mean, this plays into the whole, you know, guilty until proven innocent. Mm -hmm. You know, we, it, it wasn't ready. What do you mean it wasn't ready? Like, there's going to be a point in the future when it is ready to report news where you don't have proper sourcing mm -hmm. on it. And look, you know, we just saw him go on a tirade on this, you know, on this rant. There's a lot of pressure in media. And like I mentioned before, without Russia, the media is having a hard time attracting eyeballs. You know, they went, then they diverted towards race. You know, the race thing's starting to wear thin. Now they want to go back to Russia. And I'm sure Larry O'Donnell wanted to break a story. He wanted to get viewers. He wanted to be in the news and he wanted to be relevant again. And I'm sure maybe he did have a source. I have a lot of sources that come to me with information. And I'm like, well, can you get me documents on that? Mm -hmm. Can I find another source? You really have to go through this as if they're lying to you. And, and, and then once, once you know it's not a lie and you can actually report it, you do. But in journalism, if I were to do that, I'd be fired on the spot yeah. automatically yeah. done yeah. and you should be right i mean I, if you're gonna come at something like that's in it with a skeptical eye when it's something that's so this is the most dangerous type of thing that's something that so reinforces your own worldview exactly I, like as a journalist it's like your number one thing to you make say sure this is too good to be true exactly that's how you too should good to be true every one of those things um you know and and this is a i think it's it's a long-term situation going on particularly with the left and the media right now which is i mean we saw it with kavanaugh right i mean like when you we would talk about the kavanaugh case and say like well you can't prove X, Y, and Z. You don't. You know, this, does this sound legitimate? And they would come back at us a lot of times uh, on the left and say, "Well, I mean, how, how? I mean, it could happen. Here's here's a way that it could have happened." And it's like that's not the standard here. You're accusing a man of rape. Mm -hmm. like, that's exactly. You know, I mean, it's possible. Yes, you're right. I wasn't there. I can't completely disprove it. I wasn't in the room. I don't know if they ever were in the room together. But mm -hmm. that's not the standard here. And we've gone. We've crossed that line now. It just seems like if you can find a way. Uh, to to uh, especially when it comes to the president more than really anybody else in the world, you can come out with a way to say something bad about him. It's sort of like you're excused because we know he's horrible. We know he's a bad guy <laughs> yeah. and he's done something wrong. So if you get it wrong this time, ah, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. That's not the right way to to to, uh, to run a news network. I mean, we worked at CNN and Fox News. We wrote a lot of things that went on the air at those places. <laughs> Very rarely were, was there a time where they would step in and say, "Okay, hey, you can't." do that like that's you know occasionally they would they would you know they would say like i think you should change this or whatever because it didn't hit their standards for whatever it was and that does happen i mean uh you know when you're in the middle of a uh, off the cuff conversation it can happen often when you've got what is obviously a written script and you have a huge scoop in which you are finding out exclusive information against the president of the United States, it would be stunning if NBC News did not look at that before he actually read it. I mean, unless he just honestly just said, screw all you guys, and went on the air five minutes before, right. pasted the script in, and didn't let anybody see it, a, a normal a process point. at a place like that, somebody point. in the news department would have would have had a heads up. Well, that. The yeah. way that he's speaking to his control room in that Hammer video, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's not the type of guy who's going to go in there and paste it all in there himself. Who did, yes. it, who did it better, though, Larry O'Donnell or Bill O'Reilly? <laughs> I don't know. That is a tough That's one. That's a tough one. <laughs> Here's why this matters, though. It's not just because it's fun to kind of laugh at this and see a 
non-apology on air. What this is, is having the effect of downstream is throughout the rest of our society and things like uh, civil rights commissions that are out there where now you have to come and prove your innocence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kavanaugh mm-hmm. is a great example of that. Exactly. He had to prove his innocence mm-hmm. somehow. Wait, we have a standard in this country that says you're innocent until proven guilty. People have to bring evidence to you to say you're wrong and you're, you're breaking the law. This is uh, insidiously shifting that yeah. standard. Exactly throughout right. the rest of it, not just through the news cycle, mm-hmm. and that's an important element, and we need to be able to trust the media to tell us things that are important to us to know. We don't right now because they've so badly, on the right and left, frankly, mangled the, the line between news and opinion that we mm-hmm. have no idea which, which, which is which anymore. But when it gets into actual day-to-day life with clients like we have there, Melissa Klein and, and others that are having to come in and say, hey, I, I'm innocent, well, prove it. How do you prove that you're right. innocent? You're supposed to be actually presumed to be innocent, and someone else has to actually demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt, or at least with a preponderance of evidence using the legal standards, that you're guilty. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, well, he wasn't trying to paint a narrative against Trump. He was just trying to be the first one to the scoop, right? That's what these right. journalists want to do. They want well, to be the first one to the scoop. back to our Comey discussion about, I want to be the popular guy in the room. Right. Well, that's not what you're there to be. <laughs> right, right. You're supposed to be providing us a useful service, or in Comey's uh, situation, you know, leading the country in some certain direction? Well, I think that it tells you all that you need to know about his intentions, that he still has not taken down the original tweet that he said, I've got coming up on my show tonight. This is what happened. A source yeah. told me this. That tweet is magically still there. I think that tells you all you need to know about uh, O'Donnell's we don't, know, we don't know that it's, the information is inaccurate. Yeah. That's true. It's just I mean, not ready yet. Who's yeah. to That's say, the equivalent really? of saying, I'm sorry if you felt offended. Yeah. It's like he's baking a pie. Back it's in just a minute. Not ready. Right. <laughs> it's not ready. I mean, if, just wait a few minutes more. Take it out of the oven. It's fine. It looks We are going into overtime next, but I'm worried that we've lost Will. Yeah. Because we were just talking off air about vegan brisket, and Ew. he looks horrified, and it's, I'm not sure. You can't put vegan in front of brisket. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> make vegan chicken. Bri- I mean. And yeah, you can't yeah. do that either. Well, they, what they do, though, is it's C-H-I-C-K apostrophe N. It's chicken. <laughs> chicken. Goodness. That one E was just too Right, much. that was it, yeah. We've officially <laughs> lost our culture and our society at this point. Oh, still coming up in overtime, we've got. Hashtag Trump hates military families. Oh, obviously he does. A lot to get into, but you're not going to hear it unless you go to uh, blazetv.com, become a subscriber, and get $10 off of your annual subscription if you use promo code NEWS. Or you can listen to it on podcast if you don't like seeing our faces. Yeah, if you listen to Overtime, we'll pay you time and a half. Will we? Yeah. Well, yeah. Up zero. Yeah, up zero. But it is time and a half. So generous. Subscribe and rate us, too. We'll see you in Overtime. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. The Trump administration is uh, changing the citizenship process, say that three times fast, for U.S. troops. Uh, And originally... We heard um, Trump is ending birthright citizenship for United States uh, soldiers and military. I know it's trending all over Twitter. Hashtag Trump hates military families. Um, That's actually not the case. And I will blame the department that released this memo because originally I don't think that they clarified really what the intent of changing this policy was. But will, they're not actually doing that. They're not denying two married uh, you're not well or unmarried, but two United States citizens 
one of them, you know, is deployed, a baby is born overseas, that baby is not denied any. No, you just apply for citizenship. Well, and it's only, but it's it's only for adopted children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have to apply and go through the the naturalization process to some degree. Is what I'm is what I'm assuming. I don't see how that. I, I mean, I think what this is in a broader context is they're terrified of Trump ending birthright citizenship. Um, and I mean, I wrote an op-ed for the Daily Caller a year ago talking about birthright citizenship, the intent of the law. Everyone thinks that the Supreme Court had ruled on this. Mm-hmm. And what they're talking about is the, the, the Juan, Kim, Juan Kim Mark in 1898, which said legal immigrants that are here that had kids would become American citizens. The, the idea that illegal immigrants that come here and can have a kid, they're conferred, they're, their kids are conferred citizenship was just burped up out of the bureaucracy in the 60s. It did not come from a court order. It didn't come from, it didn't come from law. It just was made up out of the bureaucracy. So if Trump were to say, I'm not going to enforce it anymore, there would be no law he, that he would, or a court, uh, uh, you know, order that he would be violating. Yeah. So I think that they're really terrified of this. And I think that's, this is a little bit of the blowback of it. Yeah. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? I don't know enough about it to give any good comment about it, but my, my radar is up of saying this is fake, some sort of fake news or, or whatever, because there seems to be this panting Lawrence O'Donnell-like uh, effort to be the first in the news to say Trump did something bad and somehow get the whole thing to coalesce around the military, immigration, and little kids. Right. And so I'm extremely skeptical of the story just from the get-go. And it sounds to me that if what as Will is saying is right, then this is not that big of a deal. But someone has found a way in the media again to spin it in such a way that it sounds like it's an absolutely horrible thing. Yeah, I mean, well, they already clarified. They clarified again that it's, it just is intended to apply to adopted or, or stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Right. So if someone goes abroad, a right. United States citizen goes abroad, get, you know, adopts a child or marries someone from abroad who has a child. They have to apply for citizenship. Right. There's real. That's not crazy. That's not a crazy yeah. thing. Stu? Yeah. I was going back. I mean, it's a kind of a fascinating one. And I, th- I do think that the Trump administration could have done a better job rolling it out. I agree. Like, I, I don't Perhaps. think that, like they didn't like. But they did not clarify. They've done this a few times. No, it's been a big problem. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, and like I, they don't even seem to do like the basic PR steps of going to friendly media and saying, okay, hey, this is what they're going to say about yeah. it. Here's the actual answer to it. Try to get people up to speed. You know, the media may or I mean, if it's Lawrence O'Donnell, they probably will just believe it. Do you really think it would help though if they did all those, took all those steps? I do think with like, like for example, like if they came to a reporter at the Blaze, right? and said, hey, you know what, Here's what's go- we're about to roll this thing out. Um, here's kind of where they're going to think it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, here's our argument on it. You know, feel free mm-hmm. to get the arguments from the left. And of course, the Blaze reporter would be required to do that right. as part of their jobs. But, like, I think what happened was, I, you know, I saw a lot of people who are pretty conservative and, and friendly on border issues to the Trump administration saying, like, whoa, this actually doesn't look good. Because the text of the law... If you don't, if you're not an attorney in this field, the text of the law reads as if it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in the entire context of the law, yeah. it's not really a problem. It's something very, very minor. It only affects a few people, and even with those people, it just adds a slight step to a process that's going to end up in the same place anyway. But even people who are friendly to the Trump administration didn't seem to get that initially. Which it just you make you wonder if they did a little bit more of that. I mean, look, it's. They're trying to run a country here, right? Um, so they have bigger, bigger mm-hmm. priorities. I, mean, I understand that. But I think a lot of this stuff gets uh, wrapped up in, you know, the media is always looking to, to vilify them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're going to do that no matter what. But at least if you have people get, uh, you know, the full perspective, um, get out ahead of it a little bit, maybe it would help. But, I mean, honestly, like at the end of the day, you know, 
you know, Lawrence O'Donnell's always going to have his source, right? There's, there's always going to be yeah, somebody no, who's right. going to tell him that it was evil anyway. And right. Rachel Maddow would be saying what she's going to say. But I think at least getting uh, people who might be at least friendly to your, your view of the law up to speed before these things happen a little bit might actually be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, immigration and citizenship, mm-hmm. Ilan Omar, I don't know if you guys saw, she came out just with scathing remarks about uh, how the, the United States has addressed the border crisis. Um, Control, do we have that video that we can play? Okay, check again, because it should be there. We're not but, playing uh, the she... room time and a half. <laughs> <laughs> she... Stop the hammering! Will someone just make it stop, please? Where's it coming from? There? Uh, <laughs> it, it might be coming from there. It might be coming from there. It basically might be coming from any other place but here. Uh, no, so we'll get that for you in one second. But she had some scathing remarks on uh, the way that the Trump administration and the United States has been handling the, uh, the border crisis. Here's what she had to say. We want to continue to be the kind of country that condemns countries in Africa or Asia or Latin American countries for its treatment of refugees and asylum seekers. So we should do what any other country does by dealing with this situation in a serious way. So we have to bring in the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees, an agency that has the expertise and the training to handle massive flows of refugees humanely. I do find it interesting, uh, Ilan Omar, the same week that she's accused of, you know, being a homewrecker, talks about moral high ground. But hey, that's just me. Oh, she reads about it at least. Yeah, well, she, well, yes. Talking about it is not really what she was doing there. Well, but, and That's also true. think of what she's actually proposing here is let's go to Emperor Palpatine and have him solve this problem, right? We, no, we're a sovereign country. We don't need to be turning to the United Nations to trying to figure this thing out on right. our own. We actually have our own laws for this whole thing. We participate with the UN because we think that may be a good idea to, so we can avoid you know, major bloodshed and all that kind of thing. But they have no rule over top of us. They don't control mm-hmm. us. We're not going to go to the high emperor, high... What, what, what was that guy's title? That sounded incredibly something out of Orwell. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> I'll say it's a, it's, a, it's a more relatable analogy than the Ernest Goes to Camp uh, direction you would normally <laughs> go. Out, so I'm man. impressed. I'm impressed by the Star Wars. That was nice. Don't get him started, please. <laughs> Five-tool player right here. Yeah, no, I know. It's true. <laughs> Will. But this is, you know, hasn't our immigration system really been about, I mean, pr- particularly coming from the left, outsourcing sovereignty? That if you can just cross the border, you decide who, who becomes a citizen and the American people have no say. I mean, well, isn't it? if you can decide if you're a boy or a girl, why can't you decide if you're right, a citizen or Right, not? but that's exactly what they're doing. This is uh, going to the UN again is outsourcing American sovereignty to a foreign body. I mean, a foreign body that has a questionable record, particularly mm-hmm. on Israel. Yes. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I think all of this is, is that they don't want the American people, you know, to retain that sovereignty and decide who does, who can and cannot come into the country. And, and, and the immigration system here was made to benefit the American people and the immigrant, not just the immigrant. Yeah. Still, your thoughts? Um, you know, I mean, look, it's Ilan Omar. And, uh, you know, you're right. She has no authority to speak on these things. It's, it is fascinating to see, you know, someone who comes from Somalia who's seen what the U.N. has done in areas like Somalia, which is not a lot, not a lot of good. 
Um, you know, there's been how many times have we seen these horrible crimes being committed by UN employees on right. uh, as they're supposed to be peacekeeping troops? You don't want the them world? near kids in cages. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Exactly. Like I, I'm much more of the opinion of like let's move their building out of New York than invite more of them here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I feel like we have the the presence of having the building on our soil is uh, is is presence enough. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, you typically will come here and you'll give us some good news. And what's happening in your world? I'm glad to have good news. Which, what, what, which one? I've got so many good news out there. What, just give, just I give mean, us something. Yeah, well, look, give us a case that you're working on this. Yesterday way. at the American Legion, uh, so the American Legion National Convention was held just this past week in Indianapolis, and our boss was there. We gave away this. We, we don't give away trophies at First Liberty. We give away. We actually give away a rifle at the convention. So <laughs> sign me up. We've given this one to uh, President uh, Trump. We've given it to um, uh, Senator Cruz and some others. This year, we gave it to the attorney who led the charge on the American Legion case. This is a real working rifle, by the way. It's cool thing. Uh, But Vice President Pence spoke after this presentation yesterday, and he was saying a lot of things. But one of the things that he pointed out there was to say that there's this case at the VA right now about someone questioning whether or not they can have as a part of this POW MIA display a Bible. You know these things, right? They're set up with various symbols of Mm -hmm. plates and drinks and everything else. And there's always a Bible there that symbolizes the faith that this guy's going to come home someday. Well, one of these POWs had gone through World War II with a Bible, and it's like the thing that got him through the camps. Mm-hmm. It was his Bible that got him through there. Uh, and when he came home, he donated his family Bible, so a different Bible now, that he donates to this VA display in uh, New Hampshire. Well, that's part of this display. It's on, like under lock and key. Uh, they, somebody gets upset about it and s- sues the VA. Oh, my gosh. But to the VA's credit, and Secretary Wilkie and, and the whole Trump administration deserves a lot of credit for this, uh, what Vice President Pence said yesterday says, as long as we're in office here, the Bible is always welcome at the VA. And so I'm just really grateful to see an about face here because we've gone against the VA many times at First Liberty Institute. You can go to First Liberty.org and, and read all these cases, uh, whether it's saying uh, pr- a prayer in Jesus' name at a, uh, a VA cemetery or uh, one of our cemeteries, whether you can say uh, or sing uh, songs at Christmas time at the VA or hand out Christmas cards and call them actual Christmas cards. We've had to go against the VA a number of times under past administrations. Mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Secretary Wilkie reversed all that and said, hey, this is going to be fine. And every VA in the country is welcome to display a Bible at their facility as well. That's a big change. And I hope that's good news to you guys, because that's that's having a real life change right now yeah. from one administration to the next. And I hope it continues on into the future. Yeah, it is. It does trouble me still, though, that it's just it seems to always be the Bibles and the crosses that get targeted. Well, look, right? it, I that's true. It, it's, I, it doesn't I don't care if there's another religious symbol put up. I'm, and I, to my knowledge, I'll let you tell us, but I, that doesn't seem to be the bulk of the cases. It seems to always be whether or not we can actually, you know, sing Christmas carols or send out Christmas cars. Yeah, there are things. Look, there was a VA issue we had out in, um, I want to say Nebraska, it may have been Oklahoma, I think it was Oklahoma, where there was another VA facility there where there was a Native American uh, group that wanted to have a sweat lodge at the VA. And they were saying you couldn't do that. And they did a number of other things that were really kind of squirrely, too. But they basically said you can't have your Native American sweat lodge here. Well, we represented those Native Americans as well. And, and we secured that victory for them as well. And we've done it for Islamic issues in here and there as well. But you would expect with uh, Christianity still identifying as the majority religion in this country that that would be the one that has both the, the most opportunity for conflicts in public as well as the most victories as well. So. I'm glad that we get to be able to represent all religions because people of faith in this country deserve to have their, their faith 
uh, and be able to exercise it in public without any fear of repercussions or, you know, especially the guys that have gone through our wars and defended our freedoms, coming back and being told now you can't have, you can't display a Bible as a part of a POW MIA display. Yeah. That, that kind of thing is just the most ludicrous thing I can, I can begin to think of. I'm encouraged though, and this is the reason why we were at the American Legion. We've been working for 15 years with the American Legion on symbols in public that have religious imagery on them, memorials and, and other things like that. In this decision that we had from the Supreme Court in June, the American Legion case, that is already being used in multiple different places right now. Whether that's uh, last week it was uh, prayer before legislative meetings, and the court said, no problem. Circuit court said, that's absolutely fine. Uh, the Lehigh, Lehigh County uh, seal that they have it has a cross in, this, in the uh, county seal. The court looked at the American Legion case and said, yeah, that's fine. What, what this has done has shifted the debate entirely. Before, we had to come in and prove that we're innocent, right? That we had to prove that this does not violate the Constitution. Right. It's reversed now. Yeah. The court said these are now presumptively constitutional, and now the left has got to come and say, they've got to actually provide the proof mm -hmm. that a cross on a steel, a prayer before a public meeting, a, a memorial that has religious imagery on it or symbolism, that that is somehow unconstitutional. They're going to have a really hard time making that proof. That's great changes in history. Well, I saw your reaction to that. What are your thoughts on on religious liberty? Yeah. I mean, this has been under assault for a long time. I, you know, the, particularly Christianity. I mean, if you were talking about any other religion that would get removed, this would be, you know, it would be part of intersectionality. You see, it would be the the white male Christian patriarchy attacking a religion. But when it comes to Christianity, which I mean, uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about separation of church and state, which isn't in the Constitution. It was in a majority opinion. Um, you know, that, that, you know, at the time of the founding, they actually had state-sponsored, you know, Christian churches and so on in some of the colonies. I mean, look, this is just understanding basic principles that aren't taught in schools anymore. Right. Um, you know, the things they're learning about are just are, are, are the complete opposite of that, particularly in colleges. They learn that, you know, there is no truth. America was founded on all these horrible principles. So that's where a lot of this, this comes from. And they see Christianity as the enemy. Yeah. some degree. And the left especially does because they can't have any competitor right. to their own test of power. Right. Uh, quickly on Pence, too. I mean, there was a time, 2014, 2015, that like the, the, the consensus was he basically threw his political career away defending reg religious mm -hmm. liberty. Exactly. And like, you know, the end of that, you know. Refer, right? Yeah, refer, yeah. yeah. I mean, he wound up sort of backing off at the end. It was a weird thing. And he didn't really please anybody with right. what the, where the way that ended. But to say, you know, that he has taken a leadership role. It, was it took a lot of guts to do that. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I was. You know, I was very much behind him uh, when he did that. Mm -hmm. But also, like in the administration, he's done a really good job with this. It's been something mm -hmm. that he doesn't like. Pence is, is an interesting one in that, like, I, he's not exactly a dynamic personality when he's out <laughs> on, the, on the talk shows. Uh, I, I saw him doing his speech this week, and it's like he's just. I mean, he could put you to sleep, uh, <laughs> like in nine seconds. He, honestly, he's just released one of those one of those noise boxes you put by your bed. He's <laughs> talking. Um, but he does, he's the opposite of, of, of maybe the way you'd think of a vice president. When, like, Biden was coming out and he would attack Paul Ryan right, during right. those debates and he was a, an attack dog. Pence, and when you're paired with Trump, this is what you should exactly. have, yes. right? Yes. A guy who's calm and deliberate and he makes the arguments. And, yes. he, makes the arguments the yeah. and he does a good job doing that. Oh. And, and it also has worked hard behind the scenes doing almost everything he can to avoid the spotlight. Yeah. Again, another thing I think exactly. you need is paired with Trump. It's worked well. I mean, it's, it's worked well as a team. And he's... You know, all the reporting is, um, and, and people, you know, sources we have um, in Congress have said Pence has been 
key on a lot of issues that do not get publicity, you know, for, that are supporting conservative values. And so uh, he does deserve credit, even though a lot of times I don't think he seeks it. You're exactly right. Pence does deserve a lot of credit. I don't want to take away from all that, but the entire administration deserves a lot of yeah, credit mm-hmm. here as well. Mm-hmm. I wrote last week for The Hill that the Department of Labor has come out with the proposed rules that basically say, hey, if you're a religious organization, welcome to the party. You're welcome mm-hmm. to be here now. That's great. Wow. And beforehand, if you're competing for a federal contract, and you had, if you actually acted like a religious organization, you hired and fired based on your religious principles, you were, you were kicked out. You weren't allowed to be part of this uh, federal contract. What the administration has done now is to say, well, let's look at what the law says. Novel idea. <laughs> uh, and what, what the courts have been saying here recently with, uh, you know, uh, Hosanna Tabor from a few years ago, Trinity Lutheran, a couple other cases, the court is now telling the rest of the country, you can't discriminate against an organization just because they happen to be religious. And actually, not only just religious, they actually believe what they're actually organized around. Uh, and so the, the Department of Labor here in a couple of weeks, we suspect, is going to adopt this final rule that is, is, is a big old welcome mat right. to organizations that want to do business with the federal government. That is, that, and that's just one more example of many different times where the administration is coming out here and undoing a lot of things that have been damaging to, to religious individuals and organizations in the past through, the, through various policy issues. Uh, and then actually ex- and going beyond where just you know, ending to expanding, mm-hmm. welcoming people into the public square that have a religious background. Yeah. Uh, yesterday's poll, Beto says abortion should be, oh, I'm sorry, Robert Francis says abortion should be legal <laughs> up to <laughs> the you. second before birth. Is there any time that abortion should be legal? Uh, 72% of you said no, never. 25% of you said first trimester. Uh, 1% said second trimester. 2% <laughs> of you are gross and said third trimester. <laughs> I like the 1% that's like second. You know, it's not first, it's not third, it's not never, it's just the second. It's just I, it right in the middle. bizarre that I guess that's the 2% bizarre. didn't know what a trimester was necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> also, have we done a poll on whether or not you can put burgers on English muffins? Oh, we haven't, but we've had, we have had an on-air debate. It the was delicious. on-air, I think. At least put the cheese on properly. It was all on sideways. I know. And you oh. couldn't put it on the bun. It was using a metal, metal, Thank you. metal spatula on That is my stick. biggest problem. Ruin the pan. Oh, my gosh. His wife, if his wife was there, she would have gone nuts. Everyone keeps saying that. I'm like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you should actually no, be disqualified for the presidency. But you're okay with English you. muffin? English he muffin, loves it. I, I think it's a, it might be a Northeast thing. Now, I don't know why Beto likes it, but we had, who do we have in here? Because he's from, not a true Texan. <laughs> who do we have? Oh, it was Grant, right? Grant, who, yes, who also yes. comes from New York. And, you know, he's with NRA TV. Like, nope. My dad has done that before. Mm-hmm. I'm from New York, and my dad has put burgers on yeah. there. Yeah, and I used to, my mom used to bagels. all the time. She was from New York. I was born in New yeah. York, yeah. and they, it was awesome. I loved it. It was always my favorite. Now, you have to toast them. They have to they be, have toasted. be toasted. Right. And then they have to be grilled afterwards. There's a little bit of a process yeah. here. You grill the English muffin? Oh, yeah. like a grilled cheese? So he's got that kind of like, oh, oh okay. man. I'm telling you, this is something. This is a good, a good uh, Friday. I, I don't want to have to like I'm getting I don't want to have to like this. I'm telling you, it's the only good thing Beto's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today's poll, uh, a recent poll found that 37% of Americans responded that the economy was deteriorating. Do you think the economy is deteriorating, Stu? Uh, I think there are risks. Look, I mean, the, you know, we have a cycl- capitalism is cyclical yes. at its core, and you know, you don't go on forever without a recession. I, you know, I've obviously been critical. Um, one of the things I, we said a lot of good things that I love about uh, what Trump has done in office. I'm not a fan of the tariffs. I don't think that's a good influence. I don't think it's enough in and of itself to uh, to put us into a recession. But it's not helping, and I, you know. Hopefully, I think it, you know. I think it would be beneficial for us to reverse th- those policies. But we are at a, a situation where, you know, look, the president 
And it shouldn't be this way. Like, this is the United States of America. The president shouldn't control every one of these levers. Like, this is supposed to be something that we all sit back and say, look, you know, president can help a little bit here and there, but they're not supposed to have this sort of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, you know, uh, outside of trade, which is basically his, his universal control at this point, outside of that, like, you can't just blame the president if the, if the, if the, if the country goes into a recession. And you can't praise him right. because of, of the success. I think, generally speaking, he's had po- policies that have been very beneficial for the, for the uh, economy. I don't know if it's going into a recession. Jobless claims are still low. Those come out weekly. Um, I mean, look, there have been some things, you, and, and Trump has been furious with the Fed, and the Fed might have mm-hmm. raised rates too quickly. Yep. What did they raise them twice during the Obama administration when, you know, they talk about that, the, you know, the recession ended in 2011, mm-hmm. and they had, they've only raised it twice. Yeah. Um, so Trump does have a point when he says, you know, they've, they've raised it pretty quickly here in my first, you know, two years in office when, we had, when we've had a good economy. Um, absolutely the tariffs hurt, um, particularly ones on Mexico, Canada. Europe, I don't, those are hard to defend. You can defend yeah. the Chinese tariffs. You can say this is a national security issue. Trump doesn't do that oftentimes. No. He just likes them. He, just like, <laughs> he, he does like tariffs. I mean, yeah. that's what, you know, redoing NAFTA was about raising yep. tariffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's really bad at defending. I think more Americans would get behind him if he said, look, I'm, I'm raising these tariffs on China because they're stealing our intellectual property. And um, lowering them on others. Yeah, lower, yeah, that's yeah. what China's done with us. Right. They have come back and fired back at us and sure. retaliated, but they've lowered it on everybody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and farmers keep making these points of like, yes, he's bailing us out and he's mm-hmm. taking, and which again is another thing. It's, it's hard to believe there isn't more mm-hmm. of an uproar about where he's taking, you know, tax dollars and giving it to the farmers to cover the losses. Farmers here. are so heavily subsidized already. They're already right, we're already oh, so far grief. down that road. Yeah. But the farmers are saying, look, we have long-term contracts here. Yeah. And so like, yes, we're getting the money that we would have had from that contract, but they've now replaced us with another country. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think long-term there is damage here and I, I just, right. I hope we can get past this. And when we say tariffs, we mean taxes. Taxes, yes. Right. Taxes, not on just us. on goods right. on that we're paying. Not just finished products, but place they Import half of the yeah. half of our imports are things to make other things here in the United States. You know, people, uh, blue collar workers make uh, yeah. uh, 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 you know make manufacture things here that we buy. You know, we buy the inputs from other countries. So this isn't just you know me going to buy deodorant at Walmart and I got it from China, or I go and I buy a hat from China. You know, this is integral to our economy. Yeah, Jeremy. I would like to see the people that actually hold the purse strings be in Congress actually take some action on this. It might bit a bit in it to go about the administration doing great things on the policy level. I'm very pleased with that. Wake up, Congress. Why don't you get involved with this whole thing and stop it being ruled by bureaucracy? That fourth branch right oh. now is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the extent that there is going to become a problem with the, the economy, I think it will, become, it will come from the fact that we're messing around through the policy level, levers instead of actually addressing the issue through, through Congress. Uh, at the same time, I have criticisms of uh, Ilan Omar and others that are trying to act as oh, foreign God. policy experts and diplomats that are not part of that branch of government that belongs to the right. executive branch. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's get ourselves back in our lanes sure. here and actually do what we're designed under the Constitution to do Maybe the founders had a good good idea when they came up with those three separate but equal branches. Right, and remember that they also said that Congress was supposed to be the one yeah. using tariffs and trade. They were supposed to be the ones with the control of it. Congress ceded that. Yes. That's their fault. They've not done the a lot of that. A lot of seat delegating yeah. to mm-hmm. the executive branch because they don't want to suffer political consequences. Right. They want to blame it on the president. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think by going to the Blazes Twitter. That is at the Blaze. Will, it's your first time to hear. Tell everyone where they can find you. Just I'm at the Washington Examiner. You can just Google my name. It's a very unique name. You know, Will Riccadella. <laughs> Um, on social you can, media you can easily find me yeah and I you know I'm on One America News quite often so you can find me there too very cool well, thank you for joining mm-hmm. us uh, thanks to you Jeremy as well you're, you're okay mm. you're fine I'm with you I don't we'll, we'll not, see not you not tomorrow either <laughs>
No one's less impressed with me than me. <laughs> Like so English muffins are a real deal, huh? Yes, you gotta try it. Don't forget your mugs, guys. Like, like, you know. Yeah, you don't forget your mug. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.